and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, be sure you go ahead and do so. A new episode's coming out every Wednesday morning for you. And today on the podcast, some excellent segments lined up. We've got some good stuff to talk about. First is going to be, is your dog too much for you? Yeah, you know, with coronavirus and everything that's been going on in the past year and a half or so, a lot of people have been adopted dogs left and right. We're getting back to normal now. And maybe your dog doesn't fit your lifestyle so much. You know, we're going to talk a little more in depth about that today. Then comes a segment called Aggression in Dogs. Yeah, a little bit of a serious subject for sure, but we're going to talk about what is aggression, how to recognize it, maybe how to head off some of those behaviors in your dog as well. Then comes the Breed of the Week segment, followed by our listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for that listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, whether it's dog-related, dog-training-related, even animal-related, feel free to send that on over to me. You can also find us on Instagram, guys, Speak a Dogcast, of course. And uh, before we get going today... What do I got to do? Got to give you that trivia question. Today's trivia question is, what is the largest of the great apes? Yes, what is the largest of the great apes? And I will give you the answer to that in today's podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next up on Speak a Dog Cast, it's a segment called, Is Your Dog too much for you. Tough subject. Maybe a little reflection time here, guys. Um, you need to ask yourself some tough questions today, some of you out there. I know you do. And this is just, look, this is this is the honesty. This is that honesty side. That's my job. My job is to be honest. It's not to be judgmental. And, I'll, you know, look, I, I had a new client recently where um, I think I, I actually I briefly talked about this client and she was basically told by another trainer, you need to get rid of this dog. You know, you shouldn't have this dog. Da, 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 da. I walked in and went, no, unfortunately he's giving you bad training tools. He's not giving you the right information to work with. Let's try these different training tools. Let's work with the dog and then maybe make that decision. Then we can talk about you coming to that decision if need be. Well, guess what guys? We don't need to, we don't. Because there was no reason she couldn't keep that dog. She wasn't being given good information. She wasn't using the right training tools. And now everything's great. It's going great. You know, we're still training. We're still working. And the dog's a puppy and still learning. But she doesn't need to get rid of that dog. However, that's not always the case. Okay, that really isn't. There are a lot of people out there, maybe including you listening to this, that maybe you have the wrong dog for you and your family. Maybe you have the wrong breed, the wrong personality, the wrong time. Unfortunately, that happens. And as much as you might love that dog and as much as you want, might really want to do everything that's in the best interest of that dog, sometimes what's in the best interest of that dog is finding that dog a new home. I know. It's a tough topic and it's a tough thing to talk about. But I want to tell you a little story about myself and um, how this relates. And this is, look, this is... This is tough for me to admit to you guys. It is, uh, even though it was how many years ago? It was a long time ago. Look, I had been training dogs for, I think, only about a year at this point, maybe a year, maybe two. I don't even know. I couldn't have Actually, no, it couldn't have even been two years, come to think of it. No, so it probably only been about a year. And I went to a rescue, and I said, you know, hey, I want to volunteer my time. I want to try to work with some dogs. And look, the whole, the whole reason I wanted to get into this career and I wanted to choose this path 
quite frankly, it was to help dogs. That was my first and foremost. Like it, was, it wasn't even to help people. I'll be, <laughs> this is honesty time. I did not get into dog training originally to help people. That became a very close second. But the original reason was to help dogs, to help dogs first. And I truly believe that, that kind of still is my mission at the end of the day. It's to help the dog first, the human second. Because unfortunately, a lot of times owners don't see what's in the best interest of the dog. That's where a professional like myself comes in and, and we do. So I have to look out for the interest of the dog first and the owner second. And years ago, um, that's what it was about. I wanted to help dogs. I wanted to make a change in dogs' lives. It still is. But man, I was like a gung-ho little 23-year-old, you know, going, let's do this. And that's awesome. That's what I needed at the time. However, <laughs> however, my ego definitely got in the way. Um, so I went to this rescue and basically, I said something, you know, I probably said something to the effect of, give me the hardest dog you got, you know, in a, <laughs> in a more diplomatic way. I'm sure I said something in line with that. And they gave me this big boy. <laughs> he was a big shepherdy mixed dog. Oh, man. Well over 100 pounds. I mean, big dog. And he had some issues. He definitely had some issues. And I brought him home to foster him. And immediately, guys, immediately he got very possessive over my wife. He had issues with my two dogs, who they were sweet as can be. Um, you know, they, they were not nasty, they're not nasty dogs or were not nasty dogs. And uh, he, he clearly had a lot of issues. And the tough part to admit is I didn't know what I was doing then. I didn't know how to fix those behaviors in that dog at that time. I didn't. I wasn't educated enough, I wasn't experienced enough, and I didn't have that knowledge to make a change in that dog's life at that time. And it was hard because I had to take that dog back to the rescue and say, you know, I can't handle this dog. It's too much dog for me. And that was a really tough thing for me to do because the whole reason I got into this was to help dogs. And here I was, you know, again, <laughs> guys, I'd only been doing it for a year, but I was really hard on myself for this. I was, it, it really, it hit me like I'm supposed to be able to help any dog. I'm supposed to be able to, that's, that's the whole point of doing this is to, to help any dog. Now, as I've grown, as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more experienced, I, I understand and realize number one, I can't help every dog. I can't because it's impossible. It is. It's impossible for anybody out there to help every single dog, you know? And when you're in your, you know, when you're in your twenties and you're bright and bushy tailed and you're, you're out there and you're, you know, you, 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 you bite off more than you can chew sometimes. And it's a good, it's, it was a great learning experience for me. It really was. But the reality was that dog was at that time in my life too much for me, you know? And so you guys need to ask yourself, do you have a dog with behavioral problems? Do you have a dog that's maybe over a hundred pounds and you're not? <laughs> you need to weigh reality of, can I truly help this dog? Can I fix these behavioral problems? Do I have what it takes? Is this dog really the right one for me? Is this the right breed for me? Did I get the? And if the answer is no to those questions, you need to reevaluate your life with your dog. And I mean this coming from, guys, it's coming from my heart. It really is. It's coming from the nicest place I can try to, you know, reach down and dig into myself because it's about what's doing what's best for you, your family, and the dog. 
And if the environment that that dog is living in with you is not correct, I implore you to think about rehoming them. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying there aren't going to be tears. But if it's what's best for that dog, then it's what you need to really consider doing. I had another new client recently who, um, before she met me, before I met her, she had another dog. And they had adopted him, and he he had some issues. He had some serious issues, and she had small kids in the house. And we don't need to go into depth and into details with this, but suffice it to say, it was not a good scenario. They recognized it, and they rehomed the dog. They found a good home. The dog is now a working dog, which is what he should have been to begin with. They recognized that, and they found him a home where he could be a working dog. And wouldn't you know it, he's thriving in that environment. That's awesome. Like, guys, that, that's, that's incredible. It's not incredible that they couldn't make it work with this dog, but you know what? You, you can't make every situation work. You can't make every dog the perfect dog for your family because every dog is not going to be the perfect dog for your family. There are so many dogs out there that are. There really are, but you got to find them. You have to do your research as a dog owner to go, should I really be getting something that's a half lab, half poodle when I don't like to walk, when I don't like to run, when I'm not active, when I don't play any sports, when I don't ride a bike, when I don't swim, when I don't go to the beach? Is that really fair to that dog? No. I'm talking to you, Labradoodle owners. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Golden Doodle owners. Look, I know the doodles are very in dog right now and very hot, but guys... What are those two breeds, high energy, high intelligence, and looking for something to do? And if you don't give them enough to do, they become destructive. They become barky. They become jumpy. They become pawy. They become all kinds of these behaviors that you all see out there. And it's not just, oh, well, they're a doodle. No, you as an owner are failing your doodle. I know. Tough conversation right now, guys. But it's the truth. You know, I've had a few clients recently that maybe are a little bit older and they're getting young puppies or maybe dogs with a ton of energy that are maybe a working breed or they need something to do. And you're just not providing, you know, the clients are just not providing that job for that dog to do. Well, then they're getting behavioral problems. And unfortunately to me, I look at them and go, guys, it's no surprise. Your dog is bored. Your dog is so understimulated and bored that I can't blame them for these behavioral issues, you know? And we try to work through it and we try to talk through it, but at the end of the day, if you can't exercise your dog enough and you have a high energy breed, if you can't give your dog enough stimulation because they're a working dog, if you can't meet that dog's instinctual fulfillments, then maybe rehoming that dog is the best thing that needs to be done. Tough, I know, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I, I get it, you know, I get it, but you have to always do what's best for you, your family, and your dog. So I know a little bit of a tough conversation today, but please, guys, I've been seeing it so much, especially with coronavirus and people really going out there and adopting dogs left and right. I'm seeing so many people get too much dog. They're biting off more than they can chew. So please do your research. Please adopt with your brain, not your heart. Know what kind of dog you're getting, know what you're getting into, and weigh the reality if it matches with your lifestyle, okay? I, I just, I implore you. And if you already have a dog that's maybe, you've got some issues, look, at the end of the day, here, here's the thing. I always tell my clients, look, if you really want to make it work, then exhaust all options. Hire three different trainers if that's, you know, if you feel like the first trainer. 
do whatever it takes then exhaust all your options but if you've exhausted all those options then at the end of the day you need to have that conversation either with yourself or with your family on is this the best fit okay so i know i know really hard kind of stuff to talk about but i need you guys to be realistic and be you know live in reality with me here uh because it's important for the overall well-being of you your family and your dog Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's a segment about aggression in dogs. So we've got to start this segment off with a little bit of a disclaimer here, okay? We're talking about kind of a serious subject today. This is. Aggression in dogs is a very serious subject. And there's a few different avenues we can go down here. We're going to talk about two different things. We're going to talk about what most people don't come across, which is true aggression, and what most people do come across when we talk about aggression with dogs. And that's uh, the, the most common one, possessive tendencies that turn into aggression displacements. Okay. That's what we're really going to hone in on today. And yeah, this is, this is a little bit of some serious stuff because to me, when you own a dog, I look, I don't care the size or breed guys. When you own a dog, you're, you're taking part, not only of a life, but a creature that is designed to be a predator by nature, no matter how much we domesticate them. And if they are a predator by nature, then they have the potential to be dangerous. You heard me right. Little Shih Tzu has potential to be dangerous. What happens when Little Shih Tzu bites an infant? Okay, that can be serious stuff. So when we talk about a topic like aggression in dogs, this is a serious topic, okay? It really is. And, and, and there's a lot of different things we got to talk about. And some of it is how to address aggression. Some of it is try to maybe how to head off aggression tendencies or aggressive behaviors. And we'll, we'll dive more into that into detail in just a few minutes. Um, but really the disclaimer I'm trying to give is that, guys, if you own a dog, it's a responsibility. And it is your responsibility as the owner. It is your responsibility, you and only you, to either do your research, get help from a professional, or do something about your dog if they have any of these problems. This is, this is important here, okay? So I really implore you to take this segment and think about it long and hard about you and your dog if you do have a dog with behavioral issues that are more severe, more on the severe end. And that also leads us to our second segment today, right, which is... Um, which is, is your dog a little too much for you? Is your dog too much dog for you? Okay. These segments definitely go hand in hand for a reason today, uh, because I think it's something that we really, we really got to talk about. It's very important stuff. So 
look, if you are a dog owner and you have a German Shepherd and that German Shepherd has got some issues or you have a Dogo Argentino, I mean, I don't care what it is. If it's a big dog, if it's a powerful breed, if it's a working breed and you have some aggressive tendencies going on and you are not able to solve them, then, you know, think about that. I don't even need to say anymore. Think about it, guys. Okay. Uh, so serious stuff. I'm not trying to be all bum and glum here, but this is, this is kind of a serious conversation. There's also some very interesting stuff when it comes to aggression. There's some fascinating, uh, perspectives on how psychology, how instinct, how the domestication pro, how all these things kind of still come into play. So let's get into it. Aggression in dogs. The first thing I want to say when it comes to aggression in dogs is that there's two defining to me kind of things here. We have aggression and then we have aggressive tendencies. Okay. Aggression, aggressive tendencies. <sighs> aggression. Oh boy. Aggression's the tough one. Aggression is the tough one. And thank goodness, thank goodness, guys. Aggression is most likely something true. Aggression in the dog is most likely something you're not going to encounter in your life because vast, vast, vast majority of dogs, I'd even go out on a limb as to say 99% of dogs out there are not truly aggressive. And instead, you know, 99% of dogs that have aggression issues or tendencies uh, are not aggressive. They just have aggressive tendencies. Okay. So in all the years I've been doing this, I've only come across a handful of dogs that are truly, truly aggressive. What does a truly, truly aggressive dog look like? This is a dog that is non-discriminatory. This is a dog that doesn't need provocation. This is a dog that doesn't need triggers. This is a dog that will come at you full throttle, no hesitation, no thought, nothing. And they're not just coming for blood. They are really trying to harm you. Okay. We're talking serious aggression here. Thank goodness. Again, I'll say it again. We really don't come across this very often. And that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good news for you. Good news for me. Good news for dogs. Okay. So true aggression is, like I said, a far and few in between thing. When it comes to true aggression, you know, I have to wonder eh, it's just like a human being, guys. You have to wonder what kind of really, really horrible, traumatizing experience that dog must have been through to, to put them into that zone. Because what happens is they get, they get stuck. They get stuck in fight and flight mode, and then they end up getting stuck more on the fight end of the spectrum. And they get, they, they, they push, they get pushed there so over the edge, so hard that they can't get out of it. They're stuck in that panic mode. And it happens to human beings too, right? Traumatizing experiences can do that, can, can push someone past their limit. And I, I, it happens with dogs too. It happens with animals as well. So sometimes I have to wonder how much of it is that. Sometimes maybe there is something wrong mentally with the dog. Maybe there's just something that synapse is not connecting properly and it's causing this. Hey, maybe there's a medical condition. That's another thing with aggression, guys. If your dog has been really totally fine, you know, and out of nowhere you see an aggression tendency, out of nowhere, like totally acting like a 180 degree difference of what your dog normally acts like, first thing you need to do is get your dog to a vet and get them checked out. Sometimes brain tumors, uh, even other medical conditions anywhere on the body can sometimes really have a profound effect on behavior and change them into kind of a Cujo situation where it's not, it's not your dog acting like your dog. It's not the dog acting like they normally should because of a medical issue that maybe we can take care of and get them back to themselves. So just kind of a little side note there, right? But I don't want to hone in too much on the aggression, aggression side today, because like I said, for the most part, this doesn't really apply to everybody, but it's something you need to be aware and knowledgeable of. Okay. Um, look, there's a lot of trainers out there who won't, who won't touch aggression with a 10 foot pole. 
a lot of dog professionals who don't want to deal with this stuff. And you know something? I totally understand why. Because it's dangerous and it's no fun. Uh, you know, it really isn't. And it's difficult and it's just, it's a constant uphill battle. Um, you know, it's tough, but you can, you can make changes. You know, I have, I have worked with quite a few dogs that have had aggression issues or severe anxiety issues that, uh, tend, you know, uh, cause aggressive tendencies. And there's a lot that can be done for a lot of those dogs. Takes a lot of work though. And a lot of dedication on not just my, my end, but the end of the owner as well. So, you know, it's, it's not all bum and glum and bad news when it comes to the severe aggression stuff, but man, it's just, it's tough to deal with guys. It's, it gets scary at times. It does. You're talking about losing a finger, a hand, you're potentially even more damage. I mean, it's again, as I've said, as I said at the beginning of this, dogs are sort of like a weapon. I mean, they've been used for weapons over, over how many thousands of years that we've been domesticating them guys. Dogs have been used as weapons. They continue. We continue to use them because they are a predator and that they're good at it. (laughs) It's in their instinct. I hate to say it. Uh, I don't, it's what they are. Dogs, a dog, treat them like what they are, you know? Um, but, uh, wow. So anyway, all right, all right, all right. So let's get to the other side of aggression tendencies, possessiveness. That's the most common one I get, right? Uh, dogs can be possessive over toys, food, a specific bone, maybe a specific toy, a dog bowl, a water bowl, a food bowl, food, treats. Maybe they're possessive over their food, but not their treats. Maybe they're possessive over people, right? All these different ways that dogs can displace possessiveness that then turns to an aggressive tendency, right? So how do these things come about? Honestly, guys, there's, there's like, there's a plethora of different variety of ways that we can, uh, reinforce undesired behaviors like these in dogs. And again, because at the end of the day, it's in their instinct to have some sort of, um, aggressive tendencies at times because they are predators, right? Then some of these things can happen naturally, but we've got a dog who's a runt in the pack and they really got to fight for their food, really got to fight for their affection. Well, naturally that, that dog's going to be more possessive then, right? That can create possessive behaviors from such an early age. Sometimes it's by no fault of your own. Sometimes it is. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but it's the truth. So, you know, it, it, the, the first thing we kind of have to ask is where is that line, right? Where, so where is this behavior aligned with possessive? Because, oh, I hate that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I hate that. When I walk into a house and people will say, oh, you know, don't get near him when he has that bone. We just leave him alone because he gets, he gets possessive over it. So let me get this straight. You're literally reinforced. Who's the human here? Don't let him ever have that bone. And let's try to figure that issue out, right? No, let's let him keep having it. Let's all give him space and keep reinforcing the fact that him being possessive over it is a good thing. Okay. You see the problem here. You see the problem. All right. That's the first thing. You don't want to let your dog call the shots. You don't want to let your dog figure it out for you because they'll figure it out the wrong way. (laughs) They will right? Uh, look, one of my least favorite phrases that I hear in dog training and pet ownership, and especially you hear this one at the dog park, let them figure it out themselves. What a dangerous, dangerous phrase that is, my friend. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how, if you, if you are that guy, if you are the, let them figure it out guy, stop it, stop it. It's dangerous. It is a dangerous thing to do. You're going to let two predators duke it out, that's essentially what you're doing. You're saying, hey, duke it out. Now, guys, don't get me wrong. Dogs have to figure out some sort of dynamics and things like that themselves. But if they're having a 
aggressive tendency issues, possessiveness issues. Maybe one dog is getting mad at the other dog for sniffing its behind. If there's these things happening here, the last thing you want to do is let them physically figure it out with each other because they could take it to the nth degree here. And I'm talking, we're sitting at a dog park. I don't know this dog. I don't know their owner. I don't know what their behavioral expectations and rules are. And you want to let this dog figure it out with my, no, I'm sorry. My dog's not going to be a guinea pig for you. Like, no, <laughs> seems kind of obvious to me. Um, <laughs> all right. So that is my, one of my, if not my least favorite phrase right there is let them figure it out. No. Your job is to tell them where the line is. If you see something you don't like, you need to head off the behavior before it happens, guys. Fights start usually with a look. Fights usually start with an intense stare 20 minutes before the fight even happens, a day before the fight even happens. Look, when I bring new dogs into my house, I can already tell who's going to have the issues just by the first introduction they have together. You can already tell something could potentially happen between these two dogs just by the first greeting that they have, just by the first look that they have with each other. And if I can recognize that then and then head it off, redirect them when they keep staring at each other, redirect them when I see their bodies stiffen up when they get near each other and calm and simmer that stuff down, then it's more likely that the aggression tendencies, the aggression displacements will never happen. Even that is a form of possessiveness, right? Probably getting possessive over a toy at that point. Possessive over boundaries, over an area, over, uh, you know. It, it, it's amazing how much owners will let go before they try to make a correction. Most owners don't try to correct behavior till after it's happened. And then it's already happened. It's already been reinforced. You already let that behavior happen. That's the biggest way. That's the biggest way we can head off aggression tendencies and possessive tendencies in dogs is by when I so much as think it might be a problem, that's when I'm addressing it. Look, guys, I always say have parent mentality. It's not, oh, man, why did you do that? It's, don't even think about it. <laughs> Mom and dad, I give you a lot of credit. You guys were absolutely unbelievable at that. It was the don't even think about it mentality. And when it was don't even think about it, I was like, oh, man, I wasn't even thinking about it. But that's how on top of it they are. Shoot, I better not do that. I better not even think about it. <laughs> Look at that. Changed my thinking. But I didn't even behaviorally do anything wrong because they head off the behavior. It's no different with your dogs, guys, especially with this with this possessive type of stuff. Okay. So things I like to look for, staring. I don't like staring. If they're staring at each other, especially if they have a toy in their mouth and they're like staring at another dog while they chew it. Uh-uh. That's a big no-no. I'm going to take that toy away from that dog and give it to the dog that it was staring at. That possessiveness that that dog just practiced got them nothing. The toy disappeared and the other dog got, it got them the opposite of what they wanted. Look at that. I just punished the behavior only by taking a toy away. <laughs> okay. So you have to start seeing these things. Another thing, stiffening up, right? If two dogs walk up to each other and the tails are wagging as they walk up and then all of a sudden they stop and their bodies just completely stiffen, tail stiffens, the back stiffens, everything just stiffens up. Uh-uh, that's a bad sign right there. Be sure you get in there and redirect it. Now, I'm not talking run in there like a bat out of hell and go, hey, stop it. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. Just, hey, redirect that stuff nice and easy. Okay. But again, it's recognizing these behaviors, these body languages, and learning to head them off. That's the best way to never let your dog get possessive or aggressive over something, okay? Or have that aggressive tendency, should I say, okay? Um, 
So a lot of this stuff starts with that initial interaction, the initial hello, the initial looks. And if you can head off the stiffening, the staring, just those two things alone, you'll be surprised how much easier it is for your dog to get along with other dogs. And if you're in a pack of dogs or in a dog park, how much better they'll you know get along and feel like they don't need to go down that bad road, okay? So really, that's how you avoid it. Now, another great way, guys, you know, ways to avoid these behaviors. The other thing is just having and creating control in general, really, you know? Um, you know, we talked about possessive over food balls. If you can control feeding time, my dogs, I put them in a sit, I put them in a stay, I go get all the food, divvy it out, put all the food bowls down, they continue to sit and stay until they look at me and then I release them. Okay. Walking in and out of the front door, sit, stay, same thing. I want to have a lot of control. Dogs can even be controlling over entering and exiting a house. If your dog bolts through and has to be the first one through, while that might not be aggressive, it is possessive over entering and exiting. That's the first step, guys. May never accelerate past that, but but that's the first step, okay? So a great way to head off these possessive, aggressive tendencies and aggression in general is to have control over your dog. Have control over the little things, feeding time, entering, exiting a house, play time. Does your dog surrender toys to you without a battle? Do you have control over your dog? Because if you don't have control over these things, what ends up happening is your dog feels like they need to control them. And the more a dog feels the need to control things, the more possessive they then become. And the more possessive a predator becomes, what's going to happen? Okay. You need to have control over your dog. Especially when you have a puppy, I tell my clients a lot, you need to feel like you're like overbearing. <laughs> you need to feel like you have an overbearing amount of control over your dog. That's what it should feel like a little while, because if you can control and control and control and control and control, and then slowly start backing that control off from, and, and not having to be, before you know it, your dog is just going to assume that control is still there and continue with it as opposed to thinking it needs to step up and control things itself for themselves, right? Okay. So all of those little things are very important. Having and creating control over feeding time, playtime, entering, exiting the house, going in and out of their crate, um, whether they jump on you when you come in the house. How about that kind of stuff? How they act when you leave. You need to be able to control this. Leash work. Is your leash work controlled? Greetings to other people. Greetings to other dogs. All of these ways that you need to be sure you're controlling your dog. By controlling your dog, you are ensuring that they'll relinquish control to you. If they relinquish control to you, they're not looking to control everything around them. If they're not looking to control everything around them, they have no need to be possessive. If they have no need to be possessive, there's no need to have any aggressive tendencies. <laughs> okay, but it all adds up. Training is always cumulative, guys. So aggression is no different. It's... It's funny because we say, oh, the dog is well-trained. You know something? I got news for you. Your, your dog is well-trained even if they're bad. <laughs> and what I mean by that is training is just patterning. Training is just conditioning. And you can condition good behaviors or desired behaviors, and you can condition bad behaviors or undesired behaviors. At the end of the day, it's up to you. You're training your dog one way or the other, Right? So you can either take control of your dog or your dog can take control of you and everything around them. That's where aggression begins, guys. I can't stress it enough. Now, there's the other side of it, too, with aggression where we do have traumatizing experiences. Um, you know, your dog gets bit by another dog. Your dog was friendly until it got bit one day, right? Those kinds of things can definitely send a dog into a traumatizing experience, in which case they go more into that fight or flight mode like we talked about at the beginning, right? Um, and, or excuse me, take the talk about it in the other segment today, fight and flight mode a little more, but you know, it, it, it's, 
it all adds up is the point. It all adds up. And so if you can head off these behaviors before they ever even think about doing anything undesired like that, then you're not going to have any problems. Okay. Um, but yeah, that aggression side on the traumatizing side, you know, it, it, it's tough. That's a little tougher. That's a little harder. And, uh, it's different, but at the same time, aggression is aggression. Your dog now feels like they need to be over controlling because they got super controlled and they've got traumatized and now they feel like they need to overcompensate. So it's important that you come back in with heading off that stuff and taking control. And again, getting your dog to relinquish control to you. That's really what it takes. That's really what it takes to not have your dog be possessive or have any aggressive tendencies. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the largest of the great apes? It's the mountain gorilla. Yes, they are only found in the mountains of Rwanda, Zaire, and Uganda, and they average at a height of six feet and weighing in from four to 500 pounds. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our breed of the week. This week's breed of the week is the Whippet. Now the Whippets, they are hound dogs, yes, a sight hound, and they can weigh anywhere from 18 to 48 pounds. The Whippet is a medium-sized dog with speed and a friendly disposition. At home, they will lounge about and they're nice and calm, but hey, once they're outside and on the chase, that's a whole different story, yes. They are an intense and fast dog whose ancestry lies with the Greyhound. Now, the Whippet cannot be trusted off-leash in an uncontained environment, and it's because their prey drive is so strong, they've actually been known to chase, well, pretty much any moving object, yes. Even the most well-trained Whippet can have the potential to bolt with the right motivation in front of them. Whippets do not necessarily make the best watchdogs being known to rarely bark, yeah. Now, they can excel at agility, flyball, and lure coursing, Whippets can also do well in an apartment setting if given the proper amount of walks, exercise, and stimulation. They can also do well with children and families if properly socialized from a young age. However, because of that high prey drive, whippets should rarely, if ever, be trusted around cats. Now, there are instances where whippets are raised from a young age around cats and, you know, can do well with them, but really that's just not the norm. Now, the other side note is whippets don't tolerate cold weather very well. Yes, when the cold, when the winter comes around, they are going to need a jacket to keep them warm, and owners definitely have to be aware to not leave them outside in the cold for very long periods of time. Now, they are a generally healthy breed with few health ailments, a uh, few ailments, but like other sighthounds, they are sensitive to barbiturates. Yes, it is important to have a veterinarian that understands their biology in case your dog needs anesthesia. Kept in good health, the Whippet can live to be 12 to 14 years old. Developed in northern England, the Whippet is a relatively new breed. They were bred in Lancashire and Yorkshire in the late 1700s, and the Whippet was designed to hunt rabbits and other small animals on local estates. They were bred with greyhounds and other long-legged terriers to create a compact, fast, and tenacious dog. The Whippet became popular among working men who would bet on the dogs on, you know, whose dog could kill the most rabbits or rats or whose dog was the fastest. Now, they would also set up these really big races down long, straight tracks, and they would use rags to entice the dogs to give chase, and this became known as rag races. The dogs were bred to be really fast, of course, head after game without hesitation. The first whippet, uh, whippet registered to England's Kennel Club was in 1891, and the first Whippet registered to the AKC was a dog named Jack Dempsey in 1888. 
The Whippet today is a devoted, speedy companion whose sleek looks and gentle personality make them a great addition to any pack. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Harry from Madison, Wisconsin. Harry asks, why is a bulldog called a bulldog? Now, Harry, a little while back, I did do uh, an English bulldog breed of the week. You could always go back and check that out in one of my episodes. Uh, But, you know, why is a bulldog called a bulldog? Well, they originally were actually used for the English sport of bull baiting. Now, bull baiting uh, involved tethering a bull to a stake in the ground and encouraging the dogs to bite the bull's nose. Yes, uh, you know, and unfortunately, bulldogs, at the time, they were very well suited for the sport because of their vicious and fearless nature. So that's why they were called the bulldog. Now, bulldogs have definitely been bred down a bit tempered down, you know, that that feisty personality. While, yeah, they're still feisty, they're still bulldogs, it's nowhere near the level it used to be. Um, so unfortunately, that is where they get their name from, was originally bull baiting, uh, but luckily that sport has not been practiced for a very long time. Next question. This comes from Annie from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Annie says, I just started dating somebody new and my dog does not like him. <laughs> he low growls, tucks his tail, and tries to hide anytime he comes over. My dog is a rescue and I don't know much about his past. What should I do? Um, you know, Annie, the first thing and the easiest thing you can do is get rid of the new boyfriend. uh hey you know maybe your dog's trying to tell you something i don't know uh but you know look look the first thing you have to see is is this a pattern with more than just your boyfriend does he do this with other people is it specific to your home if you go out in public does the dog continue to do this is it person specific those are those kind of details you're going to want to hone in on first and look i'll be honest if the dog is low growling at only one person (laughs) and only one person um you know, again, honesty time, I, 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 I would have second guesses about that person. That's just me. I trust my animals and I trust their instincts. At the same time, your dog is a rescue, okay? Maybe your boyfriend or uh, had a bad experience with a dog in the past that looks similar to him. And so when he sees this dog, it makes him a little bit nervous. Maybe he's a little too proud to admit that to you because he's a new boyfriend. <laughs> uh, and if he is a little nervous, the dog could be picking up on that. I mean, that's that's full honesty time, you know. And this is both both directions. It could mean maybe he's not the nicest guy. It could mean he's a really nice guy. <laughs> so kind of joking, kind of serious in both directions on there. But look, if he's a rescue and you don't know much about his past, that's the, like I said, first thing I want to look for is see if there's any kind of pattern that I can take out of it, whether it be a specific, like I said, location, person, circumstances, all these different things that you want, environment, right? Um, Look at these different things and see if they are playing a role. See if there is some consistent pattern. Then if there's a consistent pattern, you can start trying to narrow it down and find out what specific triggers we have here and then try to work through them behaviorally, okay? Um, however, you know, just just little tips off the bat. If you can leash your dog up when your boyfriend comes over and try to redirect his focus and try to control it, 
Do be careful that you're not reinforcing if he is low growling or if he looks nervous. Don't tell him good boy. That's the last thing we want to be doing. Okay. Uh, but, you know, in this kind of scenario, it's important. Get with a professional. Okay. Call someone in your area that's local, uh, a trainer, behavior specialist. Look, you can always do some virtual training with me. There's that shameless plug again. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com. And maybe we can set up some virtual training and try to dive more in depth on what's going on here. But again, maybe hire a trainer in your area, but you definitely don't want to let this kind of behavior keep going, keep snowballing, keep patterning, keep strengthening. You're going to want to head it off as soon as possible. that'll do it for the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, go ahead and do so at this time. And of course, if you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com. Have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Bye.